Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com. Let's get our Bibles today and open them to John's Gospel, chapter 16. And we'll start in verse 7 in a little bit. We continue with our series looking at this ancient document called the Apostles' Creed. Again, the creed is a doctrinal statement of what, uh, what Christians, I guess, should believe, uh, what we ought to believe, if you will. And so far, uh, just to rehearse, going back now six weeks of material, we've looked at the idea that God created all things. The purpose of his creation was us, to have a relationship with God. Uh, his, uh, we have to do that through his son, Jesus Christ, and that Jesus must also be Lord of our lives. We looked at the idea of the virgin birth and how... Uh, Jesus was born both human and God, 100% of each, mixed into one, not 200%, but 100% God-man. And uh, through that, he was able to undo the curse that came upon us through Adam's sin. We also saw that the crucifixion of Jesus meant that he took our place on the cross so we could be redeemed. And two weeks ago, while we, saw, we saw that while his body laid in the tomb that he descended first to gather all believers into the presence of the Lord. And then he ascended, we talked about last week, to give us access to God, to give us an anchor in God and give us authority uh, from God. Amen? Remember all that? Let's get it in our heads. Let's learn, okay? So we're going to stand again and recite our modified creed. Are you ready? Come on, stand with me. And let's say this together. Ready, go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, He rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the community of the Holy People, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Today we're going to focus on this line coming up right on the next slide here. Ooh, we missed one, I think. Maybe. Oh, well. It's the one that says the Holy Spirit. There it is. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Thanks. All right. So we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit today. And, uh, you know, if you say, well, I'd like to hear teaching on some of those phrases. I wasn't here. All of our stuff uh, should be available online at our website where you can go and pick up any of those uh, recordings and listen through and take notes and learn stuff. Good. So we're going to look at the topic of the Holy Spirit and specifically today, His role in our lives. Um, there are many, many, oh man, as I began to study this, I, my mind wanted to go a hundred different directions to think about so many different ways we could express uh, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in us. But today I want to focus uh, on a Greek word that describes the Holy Spirit, and uh, uh, the word is paraclete. And it's, uh, we'll get to that in a moment. It's going to be in our text. It's going to be in verse 7 of our text right off the bat. But the Greek word paraclete means a comforter, a counselor or an advocate, it, it, and it, it comes from this idea of one that comes alongside, and like someone that's right there with you. There's verses in Galatians that talk about uh, keep in step with the Spirit and be led by the Spirit, and then you get that idea that the Holy Spirit is, is He's beside us, uh, you know, keeping, we're keeping in step with Him, but He's also leading us at the same time, but that's the idea of this paraclete. He's coming alongside us and uh, showing us the way to live. So here we come to our text, these incredible words of Jesus from John 16, starting in verse 7. 
And you'll see the word advocate in the uh, seventh verse is the one I'm talking about. We're going to kind of get focused on that in a bit. But let's start with verse 7. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. I just want to pause there and just, I'll mention this again toward the end of the message, but that statement has always been just kind of an interesting thought for me. Do you love Jesus today? Doesn't, wouldn't the greatest, most wonderful gift be if he literally walked bodily into here right now? And wouldn't that just make you feel great? And, and then he makes a statement like that, that that's some, there's something better than that. So that should set the stage for us of how important and how marvelous the Holy Spirit and his ministry is. You, you're catching what I'm saying, right? Okay. Now then he says this, unless I go away, this is the reason, the advocate, the paraclete, the comforter, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Now he's going to say some incredible statements about the Holy Spirit. Just, just kind of let these things sink into your spirit. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. See, I just want to stop again because Jesus is saying there's just a limitation on what I'm able to communicate with you. But can I tell you that through the ages, year after year, person after person, compounding and sharing together in the Spirit in all of us, that the Spirit is telling us more, more of the things that He couldn't tell us, more than, than He could say, more than we could bear back then, but more we're getting it now through the Spirit. Wow. So he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive uh, what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And that is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Let's pray. God, speak to us uh, again through your word, but Holy Spirit, we know that this is something that you do, that you help our hearts to understand and our minds to conceive and, and believe these things. And so I just pray that today will be an encouragement as we study who you are, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I, uh, I think most of you would know, if you've been around church here at all, that my, my best friend, David McAllister, passed away last December. And uh, and I know Memorial Day is a day to commemorate, and we want to thank God for those who have given their lives, uh, laid their lives on the line for us so that we could have the freedoms that we have in this country. And, and so we, we thank God for those that have died in the service, and I don't, I don't say this in any way to make any less of that. I want to elevate that and thank God for people that are willing to do that. That's so powerful. But, uh, but, um, but I think maybe believers, people who have lived a, uh, an exemplary life and have passed away should also get a holiday to celebrate their contribution to our world. Don't you think so? You know, I mean, why not? Like, we could have a second Memorial Day. God's army, God's people that have laid their lives down, the martyrs, starting with Stephen and, the, and different ones that have done. And I think that's a little bit what the Catholic Church is doing when they have saints. And they're kind of saying, man, this person lives such an exemplary lifestyle. And I, I, we, we are going to talk about the, the saints, uh, I think it's next week, actually, because the original version of the creed talks about the... Uh, the uh, 
talks about the saints. Uh, I can't remember the exact wording right this minute, but, but I changed that to talk about God's holy people because I didn't want to confuse it with the Catholic saint. Uh, but I, I'm not saying negative things about them. I'm just saying the Bible teaches we're all saints. Yeah. So I just want to make that clear. But um, so anyway, but wouldn't it be great if the, these, these kingdom-minded people, preachers and leaders and different ones who have listened, fought, and as Rhonda said here, fought against principalities and powers to see people delivered, uh, you know, to see people to get truth and to be saved. And they have fought in the spiritual realm for our freedom in Christ and, and, uh, and many of us, I don't think, you know, I think of my own Aunt Mary, who I, I wouldn't even know the Lord if she hadn't contended for me in prayer and preached the gospel to me. So thank God for people like that, right? So maybe we'll make a Memorial Day, too, for believers who we want to just say thank you for what you did in laying down. And for me, my friend David fits in that category of somebody who contended for souls. He really, he had such a deep passion for souls. And when I was uh, 15, I've told this story before, but my mom, my brother, and I moved all the way from Boston, Massachusetts to Winston, a little town of 3,000 people, Winston, Oregon, home of the World Wildlife Safari. Very exciting. If you ever get a chance to go there, it's, it's, it's a rem- you think, how could there be in a town of 3,000 a cool uh, drive through zoo? And it is cool. Rhonda, every time she goes down there, she, she, in fact, she buys a yearly pass for her parents, and she will always go with her dad, because he just, uh, how many times does he go through it a year? Probably, uh, I don't know, 20 times a year he'd drive through there, because he just loves seeing. So you've got elephants and rhinos and hippos and, and you know, different uh, animals from all, giraffes, but not just African animals, uh, Asian animals and uh, North American. It's just crazy good, and it's worth driving through at least once in your life. But it's interesting. So you've got this little bitty town of 3,000, and you've got this world wildlife safari right there, and uh, it's, it's a pretty neat thing. So, but it was there in Winston that I met uh, this on fire for Jesus guy that David was. He already, this is what's crazy, because I'm the new guy coming to town. I was pretty weird. I spoke weird because I came from the East Coast, and I, you know, I parked the car and all that stuff back then. I learned not to do that really fast. I parked the car now. But anyway, I, uh, I had pretty long hair, because I, I thought hippies were cool back then, and I was just weird. I'm just going to be, I'm just be honest. I was, I'd probably, you'd probably say, yeah, you still are, and I don't, I don't doubt that that's true, but, but I was weirder then, if you can imagine. So... So anyway, but he had already, he'd lived in this town, in this area his whole life. And he had tons of friends and, and classmates, and I didn't know anybody. And, and, and everybody liked David. I mean, they, everybody liked David. They thought he was the funnest guy in the world. And, and somehow, I can only say it was the grace of God to me. It just was the grace of God. Because within a short time span, he became my best friend and I became his. And it was amazing. And, and, uh, and I spoke at his memorial, and I may have already mentioned this here, but I had, I had men walk up to me and say, I know that David always said that you were his best friend, and I was jealous of that because he was my best friend. But I had more than one guy say something to that effect to me. And so that's the kind of guy he was. And so I think about me, and I think, what, you know, I, it's like the psalmist saying to God, what is man that you're mindful of him? You know, what, what would you, why do you think about man? And I think that about my friend David. I think, why, why would you pick to be friends with me? Why would you do that? It was such a, a loving thing, thing I needed. It was the grace of God to me. It really was. It helped me become a better man uh, all the way through because of his influence in my life. But, and, and I miss him a lot. We used to call each other every single week on the phone, and we would share all kinds of stuff and, and maybe problems we were having, things were going through, uh, things were trying to just 
just get a hold of in life and, and sometimes really hard things. But, but no matter what we went through, we, almost never would we have a phone call where we did not end up laughing so hard that we were either snorting or crying or <laughs> choking on the end of the line because it was just, you ever get like that with people where you just, every time you're together, you just start, you know, you, especially I think the older we get, this is what we used to talk about this a lot, getting old, but the older you get, your laughing turns into this like choking thing. After a while, you start laughing and then before you know it, <laughs> You know, and, and so we would make fun of each other, and on and on it went. So anyway, but, uh, but you know, like I say, it was great to have a friend like that. What if I was to tell you today that God wants to have that kind of a relationship and even more with every single one of you? What if I was to say that? How, how, how do we have a friendship with God? How do we have a relationship with God? We read in Romans that while we were still enemies of God, Christ died for us, so that's fantastic. And we read also here in John's Gospel on the, in, a, in a different place, the, this, uh, or actually from this text, excuse me, the same night that Jesus goes through all this, the, uh, that he also in another spot tells us that we are his friends. Right? Let that sink in for a moment. Think about that. We are friends of Jesus. We're friends of God. So how does that take place? I want you to know today it's through the Holy Spirit. It is through the Holy Spirit of God. And so for a few more minutes today, just let me teach you on the person of the Holy Spirit so we could know him better and understand how he helps us. And before I uh, get to his role as he that comes alongside this paraclete, let me first establish who the Holy Spirit is because I think sometimes there's confusion about who the Holy Spirit is. So we're going to start with that. Are you ready? Buckle in. Okay, good. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is God. He is God. We call him the third member of the Trinity. The Trinity uh, is, as we would expect it to be, extremely difficult for us to comprehend in our finite minds. Here's here's maybe a way, and there's no way to describe, you know, they try to say, well, like the egg as a shell, the white and the yolk, three parts, or a three-leaf clover. It's one clover, but three leaves. One egg, but three parts. Water has three ways it can be established through ice and liquid and steam or vapor, and you go, okay, but all those fall short. And this little illustration here is going to fall short, but it might help us because sometimes just in the way we refer to God, we get a little confused. And so... Uh, if this, I hope this helps. I picked this up in my first year of Bible college, and ever since then, it's stuck in my mind. So God is in the, described in the middle, and we have a triangle because he's a triune uh, trinity. And you can follow those lines, and you can see that the Father, let's start at the top, and you follow the line straight down, is God. And the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God, no matter which way you turn this. Are you with me so far? So it's proper to say that the, Jesus Christ is God. It's proper to say the Holy Spirit is God. But it is not proper to say that the Father is the Son. They are completely distinct and separate in that way, in the way that they operate. The Father is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Son. Does that kind of help you a little bit to sort out that, I know it's a very complex thing, but the Trinity is, and it should be complex for us. It's, we're talking about God here. Let me know if you have ever get God completely figured out. I'd like to come to your house. Have you explained that to me? That'd be sweet. So each member of the Trinity is God but they have a separate function. And yet, in all of that, listen, there's only one God. There's not three gods. Okay. Separate function does not indicate that they are uh, separate in, in their essence and who they are. They, and it's weird to even say who they are and speak of one person, which is God, right? 
And so you see where, you know, you get kind of like, ah, it hurts my brain. And each one of them is 100% God, but when you put them all together, they, just like Jesus was God-man, like I talked about earlier, and you don't get uh, a 200%, you just get the God-man, Jesus Christ. And now with the Trinity, you get the same idea. 100% God, each one of them joined together is not 300%, but 100% God. That makes sense. Okay. So, now, in that, there is a definite order in the Trinity. We see that uh, the way it works, there is a, a hierarchy, if you will, not to demean or diminish, and this is important in marriage as well as we understand the idea of submission, that nothing about, nothing about submission has to do with demeaning or making less of the, the wife in a marriage, but, but just to pre present order, and that's what God is talking about when he talks about submission in marriage. So you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in that order, and then he says the husband is to be the head of the wife. But listen, if you're a, a single woman or you're not married, uh, no man has authority over you unless God has put that person in, you, in your life in authority. The President of the United States, whether we like him or not, has authority over everybody, male and female, in this country according to God's laws. Because he's our leader. Whether you voted for him or not, it doesn't matter. That's why this terrible thing that's going on in our country of people just saying rotten things. I mean, it's so bad for us overall. Now, I'm not saying you don't vote or you don't voice your opinion, but the demeaning kinds of things that happen is not of the Lord. So whether it's the previous president, the present one, or the next one, we have to, have our, our, we have to understand submission to authority. So, but we, so we see this order in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we see that the Son carried out what he, he said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Whatever the Father speaks to me, I'm going to do. But now we see the Son ascended. He says, you're not going to see me anymore but I got a deal for you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he will take everything I've known and make it known to you. You're not going to understand it all right now. He's speaking to his disciples, but the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal that. And age after age, he has been doing that. And so, so, so we get this inner working of the Trinity and uh, one God, but three persons. It's important to also understand that the Holy Spirit is a person. When we use the word person, uh, we should always use a personal pronoun when referring to him. We would never... Uh, say the Holy Spirit as an it, for instance. The, the language, uh, our language confuses us a bit because we, we say the Holy Spirit as if he's an object, but he's not an object. And uh, he's a person. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, often when we use the word the, we're talking about uh, an inanimate object. But you can look at it this way. You, say, you would say the Father, right? Or you could speak to him directly, Father. The Son, speak to him directly, the Son, or the Spirit, speak to him directly as Holy Spirit. I get you in this? So he's a person. And, uh, and so uh, in the Bible when we pray, typically we pray mostly to the Father, and sometimes we pray to the Son, and, uh, but there's not many, if any, prayers directly to the Holy Spirit other than maybe phrases that kind of indicate, uh, like we're going to sing at the end of the service, we're going to sing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but primarily our prayers go to the Father because he's the one who, you think of a father in a family, if you have needs, Bring them to your Father. If you're praying about things that have to do with the church and with, uh, you, know, uh, you know, the kinds of things that have to do with forgiveness and all those things, pray to the Son. Uh, but not many prayers directly go to the Holy Spirit, though I don't believe there's anything necessarily wrong with that. I don't see anything that says don't do it. This idea of him being a person. Uh, one of my professors in Bible college, uh, Dr. Ralph Hammond, he, he said, you will never catch me referring to the Holy Spirit as an it. I think of him as a person, 
so I refer to him that way. And for me, it's the same ever since then, especially as, as that hit my mind. I went, oh yeah, of course. And I don't know that I ever did before, but after that, it really stuck in my mind. And in other words, I would never refer to my wife or my children as it. I wouldn't say, I went golfing with it yesterday. You would, she would slap me, number one. And you would be offended that I referred to my wife that way. Because she's a person. How could I refer to her that way? That'd be absurd. So I would never, ever refer to the Holy Spirit that way either because I understand he's a person. Are you getting it? So just, just grab a hold of that so that that helps you understand. Once we understand he's a person, not just this force out there and this, this intangible kind of uh, being, if you will, that, that we can't grasp a hold of, that distances us from the Spirit. We don't want to be distanced from the Spirit. In fact, you, if you're a believer, guess who's closer to you than any member of the Trinity? The only, listen, I'm going to show you a scripture in a little bit, but the only way Christ is actually in you is because of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember Christ? We already talked. He ascended. Where's Jesus right now? Literally, physically. He's at the right hand of the Father. So how, when we say to people, just receive Jesus into your heart, what are we actually talking about? The Holy Spirit's coming in. It's, but it's the Spirit of Christ. It's Christ's Spirit coming inside. So that's, that's important to know. And... Uh, we who are of the, and by the way, if you didn't know, you're in a Pentecostal church, <laughs> and uh, so don't freak out. Nobody's going to swing from anything or roll on the floor that I know of, but if God's in it, then we'll do that. But, uh, <laughs> but we who are of the Pentecostal persuasion, sometimes we think we have a corner on the market of the Holy Spirit, and, and although a lot of different churches have different views on the Holy Spirit, uh, I'm going to tell you, no matter what, if it's the true church of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has to be central. He has to be understood as, and uh, even though his job is to glorify the Son who glorifies the Father, understand that. We're not, we're not going to give over attention, if you will, so that everything's Holy Spirit this and Holy Spirit that. No, actually the focus is Jesus Christ. That's who the, that's who the Father wanted glorified, and it said every knee will bow to the name of Jesus, right? So that's the, what we're really about here, but it's the Holy Spirit, right, that's, that's urging us to glorify the Son. And so, so it doesn't matter what, what uh, walk of life people come from. And we need to understand that even though the expression may look different in different churches, the Holy Spirit is in every Bible-believing church, no matter how they exactly teach it. There, you can't be the church without the Spirit. You can't be a Christian without the Spirit. You've got to have the Holy Spirit. Okay. And that's incredible. All right, let me get to this second part, which is what does the Spirit do? And, and again, wow, you could just preach all year long on this topic, but I just want to focus in on this very important idea of the advocate or the paraclete. John 16, 7, our first verse, let me read it again. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come for you. Again, he says it's better for you. And, and uh, you know, as we listen to his words and think about all that he did, and yet he's the one saying it would be better. And this is where we get to the heart of the, this idea of this paraclete, this coming alongside. From the context, we look at a few verses later, Jesus was speaking of the Holy Spirit, and he, uh, uh, he, he calls him, um, I'm sorry, the, I'm off a little bit there, excuse me. Let me give you the Greek writers. They use this idea of paraclete as a legal advisor, a pleader, a proxy, or an advocate, one who comes forward in behalf of and as the representative of another. I know that's a big mouthful there, but it's almost got a legal term to it that somebody's going to stand there shoulder to shoulder with you and make sure that you are well represented. And uh, that's that coming alongside in almost a legal sense. But going back to John chapter 14, 
we see clearly, because here in, in the verse we read, we see the word advocate, and we don't know necessarily what is he really talking about the Holy Spirit there, but here's why we do know that he is, because in John 14, 15, and 17, he says, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, same word, right, to help you and be with you forever, and then he finishes his statement, what I'm talking about is the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit. So, but what I want, the reason I wanted you to see this verse is I want you to grasp something even more incredible, if you might imagine. Notice the word another in that sentence. Do you see that? He will send you another advocate, another comforter, another counselor, another one to come alongside you. In the Greek language, there are two words for another, alos and heteros. And the word alos means another of equal quality and, uh, excuse me, the word here is alos, yes, which means another of equal quality. It's not heteros, which means another of a different quality. So what Jesus is saying by using the word alos there, alos paraclete, he's saying this paraclete is of the same quality, of the same essence. It's the same way I've been treating you. It's the same way you're going to get treated. The same way I came alongside you is the same way the Holy Spirit's going to come alongside you. That's incredibly important for us to understand. Because I don't want us to think for one minute that the Lord changed us when he went back to heaven. He had, according to his words, he did the best he could do for us by giving us his Holy Spirit. And so the same way, in the exact same way that Jesus brought us comfort and we read his words and we get comforted by them, in the same way that Jesus encouraged us and, and, and through his words, in the same exact way that Jesus has advocated for us, through his death on the cross so that we could have a relationship with God and eternal life. The Holy Spirit is one just like that, exactly like him. And the love that we feel from God, and how many have felt the love of God? Maybe even this morning you think, man, I feel the love of God. Can I tell you the only way you're ever going to feel God's love is through his spirit. That's how it happens. That's how you get a, a hold of the love of God. And the love we feel, listen, this is even more profound. The love that we even feel toward God ourselves is something that the spirit does in us because because you know in romans it quotes the old testament it says there's no one that seeks him none no one that understands right and no one no one gets it is what the bible is saying but but god reveals it by his spirit romans 5 5 says this god's love has been poured out into our hearts through the holy spirit who has been given to us the relationship we have with God is through the person of the Holy Spirit. And then according to Paul, he says, God sent the Spirit, this is Galatians 4, watch this, this is so powerful. God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Then he goes on, he says, so, so because of that, you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are His child, God has made you also an heir. Okay, boom, mind blown right there. If you really let that sink in, if you think about what that's saying. The, the, I want you to grasp this scripture. I'll leave it up there for just a moment. The relationship that we have with God is not with a God who is begrudgingly accepting us. Not someone who's been forced, if you will, into, well, you know, if you died for him, Jesus, I guess if they, you know, if they come along, well, we'll let that slide. But I really don't like the idea. That's not the God we're talking about. That's not who God is. He's not a God who is somehow forced into a relationship with us because we prayed a prayer once and, and, well, we said the right words and now he has no choice. That's not the God we're talking about. 
That's not what this is about. But by the Spirit, we have the most intimate of relationships with God. The most crazy intimate. One of the littlest child, if you will picture, with a loving father. Oh, I saw this commercial. It breaks my heart. I, I think it's Traveler. Sorry for the State Farm, uh, we, or a farmer's excuse. Oh, I even blew that too. Sorry, Lonnie. Oh, two insurance companies. Anyway, there's this Traveler's uh, insurance that I was watching golf yesterday. Well, at least you'll appreciate that. He used to work for farmers. That's why I went off on that tangent. So anyway, it starts out, if I, if I remember it right, there's a little baby girl, and she's crying, and Dad's just holding her close and comforting her. And then the next scene is her. She gets an owie, I think, and she's a little girl, and she's crying again, and he's coming along, and he's comforting her. And then she's a teenager, and she's having some kind of emotional upheaval, and he comes along, and he holds her, and he comforts her, and she's crying. And the last scene is him at her wedding, and, and every time he wipes away the tears from his daughters, I, this time it turns around, and... And she reaches up and has to, at her wedding, she's wiping the tears out of his eyes. I was like, oh, you, got, you lost me there, man. I don't even have a daughter, and that kills me, right? That's such a great commercial. That, but you've got to understand, the most loving relationship that we could have is with God, who loves us that much. That of a little child with a father. And we are invited in this verse that's up there to, to call him in the tenderest of terms that could be said for the Hebrew children when they would learn the first words their mom and dad would teach them. This is Abba, Abba, Daddy. Like we would teach our children, say Dada or Daddy. It's the most intimate words that could be used of God. And so we get that kind of relationship with him. But can I just go a little bit further and say now, not only are we his children and we're loved by him, but he wrote us into the will as well. We are heirs. Oh, come on. We are heirs with Jesus Christ, God's only son. And now we've become sons and daughters by adoption and being born again. And we've been written into the will. So we get the same inheritance Jesus gets. Somebody ought to say, thank you, Jesus. Come on. Praise God. Praise God. What a great God. And what an incredible Holy Spirit we have. Worship team, come on back up. I want you to understand the generosity of the Holy Spirit. That may seem like a different kind of word, but maybe we could look at this, and, and I hate using terms like this because it takes away from the idea of person, but, but I just for a moment, if you would just picture with me the idea of a conduit. Conduit is something that transmits something from someplace to somewhere else, whether it's electrical conduit, runs electrical wires, or conduit of water. It could be a pipe would be a conduit. Um, and I don't want to make the Holy Spirit inanimate, uh, but I, I want to get this idea of a conduit in our hearts. That, that, that if we could see him as a conduit from what God wants for us, he is connecting with God for us and connecting everything that God wants us to experience and so if we experience joy in our lives, for instance, he gives us the fruit of the Spirit, right? And so think about these words as I say them, that this is what God wants. This is from the, the Father above who's pouring through his Spirit to us, who's in us, and saying, I want you to experience love in your life. I want you to experience joy. I want you to experience peace. I want you to experience, listen, patience. It sounds like, well, that's hard work. Don't, don't you like being in a place where you just feel patient? See, that's a gift. That's a fruit. It's not, it's not, fruit is never anything you have to work for. It's something that God works out in you. And, and kindness. Mm. And the goodness of God. The faithfulness, the gentleness, and even the self-control. All of that just working 
its way out of our lives. Not like we have to work for it, but just let it happen because the Holy Spirit's in us. And that's coming from the Father. I mean, I could preach entire messages, of course, on every one of those. He gives us, besides fruit, He gives us spiritual gifts. So many gifts. He gives, us, uh, he gives gifts to people of supernatural wisdom. Just unbelievable wisdom in situations. Supernatural knowledge. Knowing things that you shouldn't know. Faith. Oh, just deep faith. Healing. Working miracles. The ability to prophesy, to speak what God is speaking. The ability to distinguish between different kinds of spirits and, and uh, to supercharge our prayer by, by giving us uh, heavenly language, unknown languages that we can speak. And then sometimes in public gatherings to have the interpretation, of, uh, to un- have the understanding of the interpretation of those unknown languages. It's amazing. And God wants us to enjoy and experience all that. But don't think those are the only gifts that the, that the Spirit has. The Bible teaches that He is the one that gives life. He is the one that gives freedom. We are justified, if you will, and made right with God through the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that draws people to come to Christ for salvation in the first place. It's the Holy Spirit who's dwelling in our hearts. In all of this, the goal is to glorify Jesus, though. Make sure we get that. For as Jesus himself said in our text, he said, the Spirit will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. Listen, let me repeat these things. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, and he will make known to you what he has received from me. That's what the Holy Spirit's going to do. And so we glorify Jesus through the Holy Spirit. My relationship with David was one where we, through our whole lives, from 15 years until uh, 59 years of age, we came alongside each other. And even though at times we were separated, at one point the, the dingleberry moved all the way to Florida. I don't know why anybody would do that. It's, don't they know how hot it is and how many bugs they have there? Don't, don't people know this is the best place on the planet to live right here? Come on. Come on. But in, the, in a small way, if you will, David was an example of the relationship we all have with the Holy Spirit. He would have done anything for me and I for him. But we had limitations. Holy Spirit isn't limited today, church. <laughs> Come on. Come on. <laughs> and having a great friend in this life, that could be so amazing, no doubt. But having a God who loves us this much, oh my goodness. He sent His only Son. And the Son lovingly sent His Spirit. who was poured out into every heart that will receive Him. I want you to hear one thing today. Maybe close your eyes right at this moment. But let me just speak this over you. I think everyone needs to hear this at one point or another, but maybe there's some today that this is really a prophetic word for you. You are never alone. God himself is inside you by the Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord. Lord, as we're going to sing here in a moment, and we make this our prayer in this moment, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Thank you for listening to Praise Center's Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com.